how we can best pray for him in the ministry down there and also bring us the word tonight. We're praying for you, brother. We're praying for you. Always good to have you and your brother in. Always fun to see you together. You look like you like each other. No, I'm, uh, he uglier. Oh, well. <laughs> he makes you look good, right? That's, that's what you like. God bless well, you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pastor. Every year, I, uh, I have one conference a year. I go since I'm in South Florida. When I was in deputation, I used to go a lot of conference, but not anymore. I just now I get once a year. It's Columbia Road Baptist Church. Amen. And that's the one. I always look forward to be with you guys. Uh, some of you guys have been wondering all day how long I've been coming here. And uh, I'm not going to tell you how long, but all I can tell you, when I first started coming here, you had a red carpet. That's what I can say. So, orange? Oh, see? Orange, red. just. And uh, I was telling Brother Steve when I think Paul and I were the first missionary you had when the missionary started. The first conference you had. And, uh, but there are some missionaries I remember. Uh, one of them was Steve. He was on his way to Cuba. Now, I don't know if he got kidnapped by Castro. I don't know where he's at now. Uh, but there was another lady named Mary. And she was a single missionary lady. And we were the first, I should say. But again, this conference always been a great blessing to all of us who came. Uh, you folks who came for the first time, uh, you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it, feeding you. And I'm grateful to your pastor. Thanks for to you folks every year. You guys never forget us in, in, in South Florida. For those who don't know me, my name is Luke Harrigan. Born and raised in Haiti. And, and uh, got saved in Haiti, came to the States. And called by God to go for time ministry. I uh, was in school and uh, vocational school in a place called Lake Haven, Pennsylvania. Uh, Jersey Shore on the other side of Harrisburg. And uh, we I stayed there. And after God called me, go full time ministry. And uh, I went to Marietta Bible College, went to Tennessee Temple. Then Came back to Ohio in deputation, get married, moved to South Florida, walking to with the Haitian people in South Florida. I always see our ministries as uh, unique. It's the nature of the ministry we do. Now, in our case, we not only we have to share the gospel, but we have to help them socially. And it's, Sometimes it could be one, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm so much translating, you know. And hospital, whatever it might be, just to be able to help them to translate for them. So we established a church in South Florida. We are among them for many years. Uh, we 
we're having a hard time to get a building. We finally get a building. So try to get it ready to be self-sufficient, independent. But we meet every Sunday morning. Now, when the COVID come, we were meeting in the city building. And the COVID come, the city said, no, we cannot meet there no more unless we bring 10 people every Sunday. And uh, we, the, we said, people said, okay, how are we going to pick? Who are we going to pick? Only 10 people, the city said to us. Every Sunday, 10 people. So we said, how, we don't know how we're going to pick. So I said, the best way to do it, let's just pick the one, the one who gave more money <laughs> and leave the one. I didn't know which way to go. So they said, 10 people. So I said to the city, thank you. But no, so we, we find a church in the area next to us. It's something about the church. So we, uh, they meet in the morning. Right after they finish, we meet, we meet during, on Friday. But they give us more days now for, like, uh, every Friday now, we have a Bible study there. And Thursday, they go, uh, we go to a different home. But we, we can meet more often than we were. The opportunity open to have more services now. And then, then the prison ministry has got uh, bigger for us. We have, I had four, now I just add up, and now uh, another uh, prison ministry is called boot camp ministry. And they, the, the, the prison administrator, he called me, he said, look, we need your help. You got to uh, take that ministry for us. He said, uh, I, uh, it's a lot of young people You'll be amazed. Start from 12 years old to 17, 12. They are there for all kinds of crimes. So the judge would say, okay, he's 14 years old. I'm not going to send him to prison for forever. He's 12. I'm not going to condemn him forever. I'm not going to give him 30, 20 years. So what they do, the judge, uh, what they do, some of the judges, they, they send him to a place called boot camp. You know what that is? They have a place for them to stay right there. And they work there in that place. And every Saturday morning, and they want me to come and minister to them. So, but they, uh, when I go there, they always said, not just minister to them, but uh, use your life as an example to them. You came to this country as a young, remind them the opportunity, the privilege they have in this country. Someday they might be like you. So... I always encourage them. Usually I ask them, what do you want to be when you, when you, when you grow up? What do, you, what do you want to be someday? Some of them say, I want to be a football player. I want to do this. I want to do that. I say, would you like to be a minister someday? You know? I, I, I always try to. But it's sad, though, to see a 14-year-old kid in a boot camp for committed crime. So the idea, if they stay there for one year, after one year, they live a clean life, they're free to go back and start all over again. That's why they call it second chance in life. And folks, uh, believe it or not, uh, now as parents, you see if 14 years a kid, you have a second chance in life, I think that's a good idea. Maybe you might be productive again, who knows? You might be... Uh, he might not go back to mess up his life again. So that's in no ministry.
they uh, add up to us, call it uh, a boot camp ministry. So you say, how do you have time to do that? Well, you, you're right, but we already, we, our schedule is full, but yet we find a way to minister. So to add up now, I have uh, federal, <laughs> state, county, prison. I got all of them. But when I go, that's a joy to minister, minister to them. So, we served down there. In South Florida, it's a difficult place to live. And I'm online, people watching me. Thank God, thank God they cannot get me arrested because they don't know where to come get me. Am I right? I always say to you folks, you can, you can go around and say you live in America by being where you are right now. You can brag you live in the United States. But folks, in Miami, how dare you to say that? In Miami, you have no idea where you are. Only God knows. Why? Different cultures, different languages. In some places, you go in Miami. I kid you not. You get lost down there. If you only speak English, you're you going to call me to give you some Spanish. And that, that doesn't say much. Or to give to, to different languages, but that's the beauty of the, the South Florida. You know, you live down there. It's 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 opportunity to minister different people from everywhere, different languages. So we see it as an opportunity, not as a burden, to minister to find different people you know, come to your way when you can minister to them. So you pray for us. Uh, we live down there. Now I told everybody. Uh, our ministry, we face obstacles. Now, last week we had uh, the uh, the hurricanes down there. Now, they barely missed us, but we're not safe until November first. You're not safe until November first. Uh, but we, no matter what, we try to stay together. We try to serve God in South Florida. Again. And I'm grateful to you folks. You pray for our people. And uh, as I was coming uh, on my way, this lady, she just came to the state. She has a little boy. He passed away. So they called me. And I said, well, I'm away, but we tried to find somebody, you know, to do the funeral. Just to show you how the nature of our work down there. We not only had to focus on the ministry, but also focus and help them out socially on any way anywhere we can. So, again, pray for us as we minister in South Florida among the Haitian people. Now, the biggest obstacle facing down uh, is what you call uh, is not just the culture, folks. Whatever country you go, you have to know not only the culture, but you have to know how they think. No, you go to another places, you don't know the mind of the people, that make it hard. So, but to, to do that is not easy. It takes time, you know, patience, uh, hard work to really to get settled in type of ministry on that. So, you pray for us as we minister in South Florida among the uh, Haitian people in South Florida. Again, thanks to you folks.
for many years, you didn't put up with me. And for many years, I came. I, some of you guys they said, like, if I remember, maybe that's why, you know, she broke. You know, I, I think I broke her, and I, she, she don't have no money no more. She couldn't even make it to church no more. No, it's none of that. So the sacrifice, you folks sacrificed for us when we came to this ministry, just to show you how privilege and honor to know this church. It's always been a blessing to serve with us, to serve, to know we have a friend that we can count in South Florida. So with this, I'll just give you an idea. I, uh, I ask you if you have a question. If you don't, uh, if you ask a question, I might charge you, I might not charge you. Depends how hard, it depends. If you don't have a question for me, I would uh, again say thanks to you. You pray for us as a minister before our church. Uh, many of them are coming back uh, the, because of the COVID, but again, they, they're coming back. Uh, the time was hard in the afternoon, but yet they're coming back, and now uh, we try to minister migration people in South Florida. So if you don't have a question for me, now, the uh, pastor made a mistake. Uh, Brother Jenkins made the same mistake. Brother Bill made the same mistake. They just told me to preach. They told me they never give me time, but uh, the time they gave me, is it Haitian time or American time? So I just, they never, they never time me. So, well, again, and I'm grateful and that I can be here. And uh, as I said, Paul and I were the first missionary who established the conference for you. So and I'm glad I can be here day in, day out today. If we look at the scripture tonight, uh, we look at uh, the church. Uh, if I were to give the title of the church, I would say creating a unity in the church. The church we need to unify more together. The church, we need to stay the oneness among us. Now, believe it or not, the COVID tried to split churches. It did hard. I had a pastor friend of mine in, in Plantation, Florida. He, he, he was doing a funeral. And, uh, but at that time, it was the middle of the COVID. People wear masks, masks. One guy said, Pastor, ask him to take the mask off. And he got mad and left, you know. Pastor, Pastor said, I cannot do that. Right in the middle of the service, he said, ask him to take it off. It looks ugly. In the middle of the, in the funeral, just to show you how bad it was getting. But hopefully that thing never came, that sit never came back again. But he was trying to split, divide us. You see, as a church, we need to stay together. We need to unite together. You need to pray for your pastor. Pray, pray for the church members. Pray for one another to unite, to stay. Because now the politician had an expression they use. United we stand. Divided we fall. Now, I don't pay much attention to it. You and I, we don't because it's used by politician. Am I right? But sometimes it's true, though. We need to unite together. 
But the Apostle Paul wants us in Philippians chapter 2. Paul says to us, Philippians chapter 2, he says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through stripe and vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not for every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, through it is not robbery to be equal with God. You see, today, division, split, in churches is not healthy for the church. It's important that whenever this thing happened to us, to know it hurts. Many years ago, I was preaching in a church. Uh, I don't know if I don't remember if it was Oklahoma, but it was some Midwest United States. And uh, I worked there a Sunday morning. I never forget. I saw two guys. One in left door, right door. Two of them. And he said, one of them said, are you here for the pastor? Or are you here for the deacon? And I said, uh, no, I'm here to present my work. I'm a missionary to talk. He said, no, you have to know, you know, you know, you have to tell who you're here for. Am I right? Are you here, to, are you here for the pastor? Or are you here for the deacon? I came that close and said, I'm here for whoever is going to give me money. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Here I'm a missionary, I tried to present the work. The pastor invited me, but when I came that Sunday morning, one guy did two of them. You hear for the D. Evidently, there was something going on between the two, you know. But it was sad, you know. You come to a church, yes, are you here for the pastor or are you here for the deacon? It shouldn't be that way, folks. You see, with the oneness in the church, Paul wants us to, to stay together, you see. But he gave us some in, uh, incentives to unite for unity in the church. The first one, he said, reconciliation, consolation in Christ, the love of Christ, comfort of love, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, fellowship of the Spirit, and the compassion of Christ, affection and mercy. See, these are reality for unity in the church. You see, unity in the church you and the fellow believers the way you treat each other rest. The way you and I in the church you treat people shows a lot of unity. 
The way you care for people, am I right? Folks, somebody who's not here in church tonight, there's nothing wrong to find out why he or she's not here. Well, you said they might hang up on me. They might hang up the phone on me. Well, so what? Nothing wrong to call and say, hey, how come I didn't see you? How you doing? You okay? Sometimes, folks, we take it for granted. You know that. He or she not just show up. But we don't know why. Am I right? It might be a reason. Sickness. I hope he's not in jail. But you never know. Folks, it's time for us to, to know in churches today to remind ourselves, you know, we need to care for one another. You live in a society today, everybody just care for themselves, am I right? But that's not biblical. To know, to know, you see, consolation in Christ, the word simply means encouragement, you know that. That's what I mean by consolation. Encouragement. Sometimes it means help one another. Give advice. Folks, you can give consolation to somebody. It doesn't have to be money or big, you know, any little thing can be an encouragement to somebody in the church. You see. People get discouraged. You and I, we should never forget that to stay together, to always encourage one another. When you and I, you know, the ladies... The nature of being a lady, they cry easily. Excuse me, ladies, you know what I meant. You saw, you're passing by, you saw a lady cry. That doesn't mean maybe anything can make a lady cry. But us men, we always think we, 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 we always think with this, with that. We don't cry easily. But folks, but remember, you are human, am I right? You can be touched. Now, I remember many years ago when uh, Roy Thompson, he was telling a story, when he came to Haiti, you know, he said, Thompson always brag, he's a tough man. But he said, when he get up the airplane, first thing he put his foot in Haiti, he cried. Uh, he was pastor of Cleveland Baptist Church for many, many years before he passed away. Founder, I should say. He said, the first way he touched Haiti, he cried. Just look at the poverty. How do people live? He couldn't take it. And folks, Roy Thompson, if you know him, he's, he's a tough guy. But folks, but that's show compassion, am I right? You see, we need to show how we care. We need to encourage one another. Now, not only to encourage one another, but also Paul went farther. He said to us, having like comfort of love. Folks, in churches today, folks, some people you love them is not because you wanted to. Let me say again. Some people you love, folks, is not because you wanted to. Why? You do it because Christ told you to love that person. 
I don't think anybody would love men like Hitler. Am I right? But Christ told you to love that person no matter what. It's because of the love of Christ that you care for that person. You show that person. Well, you say that person is mean. Well, you have to love that person. Am I right? Admire that person. Because Christ loved you when you were evil and wicked. He showed his love towards you. He didn't say, okay, forget you. He didn't pick. Christ didn't look at you and say, well, you are irresistible. He didn't say that. It was Paul was, uh, you know, was telling me about this guy. He's an alcoholic in Haiti, you know. You know, he's always drank and drank, you know. And people always say, why are you capable of drinking? He said, well, Christ says to love everybody. I, I love my alcoholic, you know. I love my alcohol. I love my beer because Christ says to love everything. Am I right? Folks, sometimes you and I, we pick, we choose who to love, who to encourage, who not to. Now, I always say to you folks, churches, we are important for one reason. You see, the church is unique. Why? Because churches is unique because you find all kind of people in the church. Am I right? Remember I said that to you one time? You forget? It's unique. Why? In churches, you find the most educated people. Now, do you see the black gentleman uh, who was Fred? You guys remember Fred? When I first came here, I met him. He was most of the most educated man. He has a PhD. But very humble guy. Every Sunday morning, he's teaching Sunday school, you know. You see, you find in church men like Fred with a PhD. But the same token, you find somebody who a high school dropout. Didn't even make it. Am I right? Or you find somebody, rich guy, wealthy people. I never forget, uh, there's a person in South Florida, they call Calvary Chapel in, in South Florida. Uh, but one of the guys, uh, his name was Wayne Heisinger. He was the founder of the Miami Dolphin. And his son got in trouble. And his son got in trouble. And uh, for drinking. So one day, uh, we were, uh, me and the police, one of the police officers, we were in the car together. And the police said to me, look, you are a minister, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. He said, I need your help. I said, what happened? He said, who do you think I just picked up? When husband gets son? I said, when husband gets son? He said, yes, we just picked him up. I want you to, I want you to minister to him. I said, how am I going to do that? He said, yeah, aren't you a minister? I said, yes. He said to me, uh, you only want to minister to poor people? You don't minister to rich people? He said that to me. I said, I don't know because I don't have my portion. He said, tell him the Bible said drunken is wrong. I cannot say it. You can say it. But the guys in the back of the car, folks, he's like this. He drive, you know, we don't, the father was one of the wealthiest. The father was when Heisinger 
who owned the Miami Dolphin at that time. You see? No matter how much money a person got, folks, yet he's a sinner, am I right? He needs the gospel. He needs. But see, in churches, you know, you find wealthy people, poor people, good looking, you find ugly too. I ain't mentioned no name, you know. You see, that's what makes the church unique, folks. We all come together and worship what? One God. That's why you want only in churches you find that. You don't find it anywhere else. So he wants us to know today to remind you that, that to have the same love for one another. And not only to have the same love for one another, but we have to have what you call the, I should say, the uh, same, same page to stay together, to never give up. My note fell. <laughs> You see, we need to stay together and fellowship. But what is fellowship, folks? A fellowship is to the used to be in churches today after we finish everybody, you know, church, stay in church and talk. Now, we don't have time no more for that. Am I right? After church, nobody even say hi no more. We're in a hurry. See, a fellowship back then used to be the time to show how we care for one another. We need to show affection. We need to show that we care for one another. You see, the expression in church shows unity if we have uh, sharing the love. We have one purpose, about right? Well, what is the purpose of the church? Is to share the gospel. So you go to a church, you find the methodology is different. Am I right? The method, the, what is, you see, the method, methodology. How do they do things? Many years ago, I was in a church in Wyoming, and, and uh, I've seen it. What they do? People, they eat first, then they have service. You see what I said? A lot of places you go, people eat after church, am I right? But in that church, they eat first, then they go have service. I said to the pastor, well, I can leave because we just ate. You see, the way things are being done in church might be different, but for the message ought to be the same. Salvation by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. See, we need to stay together. You see, Unity in the church doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. Am I right? No, we don't, we don't have to be agree with everything, you know. But we don't have to fight. Uh, in 1980, Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States. And Reagan president, but he has one uh, rival. Tip O'Neill was a congressman from Boston, Massachusetts. But Tipponin and Reagan, they couldn't get along. They don't agree on nothing. I'm sorry, excuse my English, on anything. There's nothing they agree. Tipponin is a Democrat. Reagan, a Republican, always fight, day and night. But you know, when Reagan got shot, went to hospital, the first person he saw waiting was Tipponin. 
And when, when Reagan came, they, when they took him to a hospital, Tip O'Neill was the house speaker. He was waiting for Reagan in that room because as a congressman, you, you, know, you get all the privilege to know, you know, at the hospital. He was at that room where they're going to take Reagan. And when Reagan walking in there, and uh, Tip O'Neill said, Mr. President, do you know who is here? He, Reagan looked at him and said, oh my, my friend, Tip O'Neill. So for, even in politics sometimes, they get together. <laughs> even in politics, they can unite. Now, that was back then. Today, I, don't, I cannot see it today. I cannot see today. Nancy Pelosi in hospital. Trump went to visit Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I, I don't see that happen. But that was back then. But folks, what I'm saying to you, in church today, we need to, we need to stay together. The unity, you see. But it says, when you talk about unity, see, in verse 2 it says that consolation of Christ, comfort, fellowship of the Spirit, and fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Let nothing be done to strive in vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, See, verse 4, look not every man on his own things. What does that mean? Folks, don't just look for your own glory. Think of others. Think, not just, see, we become selfish when we just see ourselves, am I right? That's what I mean by each. The Greek word is kata, I mean what? Simply mean better than to be unity in church, to have unity in the church, you have to give that person more value than you. That person must be more important than you. Look for the interest of that person. But in churches today, we become selfish. What do we see? Ourselves, am I right? Not the interest of others. You see, we need to know we show unity when we meet the need of others. For 25 years, you guys proved to us as missionaries that this is not a selfish church, am I right? For 25 years, I've been coming here, many other missionaries, and you guys support all, you know, how many missionaries say so you have sacrificed? Am I right? That's putting others before you. you get, some churches I know have what 16, 20 million dollars. So when you have those guys bragging, I got 20 million dollars in, in the bank. All you hear bragging, that's it. Well, how many missionaries they supported? Only God knows. You see, our goal, folks, not to see ourselves like. What John F. Kennedy used to say, ask not what the United States can do for you, am I right? But you ask what you can do for your country. See, you always look, seek those around you. That was last week of, I should say, last week of August, uh, I received a phone call from the immigration people. And uh, they called me at 9 o'clock at night. 
And uh, they said, look, we need you. I said, okay, what happened? They said, we need you. You have to meet us. We have 16 Haitian ladies. How many I said, folks? Just checking to see if you're sleeping on me. They say, I get, we got 16 Haitian ladies. We have nobody that in South Florida among the Haitian people to call but you. We got 16 ladies. Some of them are pregnant. We have no place to keep them. And we're not going to even bother. Just, we want you to be ready. We're going to bring them to you. 16 ladies. Maybe they think I like ladies. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so he said, I said, okay. What time you going to give them to me? They said, be ready. We're going to be there at 11 o'clock. At night. Not in the morning, no, at night. I said, okay. 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I said, all right. I get there. At, at 11.30, they call me. They say, sorry, look. We give you the wrong time. We're not leaving West Palm Beach. We won't be there before one o'clock in the morning. I said that. You say you be there at 11. They said, well, so we didn't get the papers done on time. We saw the papers was to come from Washington, D.C. They didn't, they didn't send us to us. They supposed to fax us some paper. Washington, D.C. don't do. They, you know the government, how it works. They never do everything fast. I said, yeah, I know that. You're right on that. Folks, at 1 o'clock in the morning, they brought those 16 Haitian ladies from West Palm Beach, Florida, in a van, a big, big, uh, big van. So I called a guy not too far from the church. I called him. I said, I need your help, man. And uh, help me out because I'm supposed to receive 16 ladies. Some of them are pregnant. And uh, I need your help. So I called a friend of mine who is, uh, I should say, he's a real uh, estate guy, realtor and housing. So he said, uh, I have a house that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in the market next week, but if you need it, I will help you. So he, uh, he gave me the key for that house. I received the ladies. We put them in the church van. But he said to me, I only have electricity in there, but no food now. I said, oh, that's fine. So I called another Haitian guy. I remember he came the same way immigration gave him to me when he first came to the country. Immigration gave him to me. He's a cook in a restaurant. So I said, it's time for him to pay back. <laughs> so I called him. I said, listen, what time you finish working? He said, I finish working at 12. But I said, do me a favor. I know that restaurant, you work like a, some sort of fish restaurant, a card, or only fish restaurant. I said, I know every night you guys throw away thousand tons of food you don't need. Tonight, do me a favor, don't throw away anything. He said, why? I said, I got 16 ladies, they just came here, and I have no food for them. So whatever you don't use in the restaurant tonight, don't throw it away. I would come and get it. He said, no, you don't have to come. I will bring it to you. But he, he drove to that house with a, loaded, uh, with a pot loaded with fish, 
rice, <laughs> everything, bread. So the guy from the church, you get two cases of water. I said to the lady, listen, here you are. I give you guys a house, give you guys a fish, give you guys a food. That's what I can do for you. Two o'clock, I'm ready to leave. But one of them said, Pastor Luke, thank you so much. We haven't been eating for four days. And I said, I understand that. Uh, we haven't taken a shower for eight days. And not a ladies I'm talking about. I said, I know that. He said, thank you so much. You deliver us. I said to you guys, listen, and I'm grateful you say thanks to me. But one thing I want to remember, I'm not the one to say thanks to. Say thanks to God. Because if he hadn't been for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I would not be here with you guys. I'd be in the United States somewhere, living, making money. I would, you would not see me tonight. Like, like I would do something like, like 95% of Asian who came and just come work, make money. Am I right? Nothing wrong with that. Am I right? I would have been one like this too. I said, I'm here tonight to help you because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So whatever I do for you, give thanks to God. Folks, we need to remind us to think of others. And they'll stay there for at least three, four days. And five days, if they all find their family members, they're all gone. Now, I have no idea, you know, where all of them stay right now. But what matters, they were in need. I helped them out. You see, there was a time you were in need. Christ came to this earth to rescue you. Am I right? Now, you were not a refugee. You, were, you didn't need food. But folks, you were on your way to hell. Christ came and saved you and gave you the newness of life. He redeemed you. See, we need to think of others. You see, Christ demonstrates humanity requiring the church. See, that's why it's in verse 5. He, he gave up heaven. Am I right? What does that mean? Which means all the privilege. He gave up everything. He gave it up. He took a form of his doulos, his slave, his servant. He became a human. He humbled himself for your need and for others. See, Christ Today, we should be grateful for church, grateful for our salvation, but grateful today that Christ saved you, that Christ gave you, you have a beautiful church to worship him. Stay with one another. Like, let me say it again. When I first met you guys, you guys had a red carpet, am I right? You saw orange. I always say red. I'm, I'm colorblind. <laughs> Just to show you how mine. Do you know I said that to you folks? Honestly. Do you know I said that I use the orange carpet? When I first met you guys, you were not that wealthy you are today. Let me see. You didn't have that much you have today, you know that. I'm not saying to be critical because I'm part of the church. When I first met you guys, folks, you didn't have that much money you have today. Today, the church, you guys are doing great. Wonderful. 
But what I'm saying to you, don't work around. Don't give yourself credit. Give God the credit. Give him the glory. Thank God you had a good pastor, Brother Jenkins. God give you Brother Bill. But what I'm saying to you, God bless you folks. But don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. Think of others like you've been doing it. Those who are without, stay together for the purpose of the gospel. I want to come back again. I stop. We have in our church what we call a, a time of invitation where we invite you to act on what it is that God is speaking to you about. And I thank our dear brother for bringing us the word tonight. Let me ask you a question. Do you have unity with the Lord? Do you know Christ as Savior? Have you made peace with God? Not in your own way, but in the way that Christ has put forth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There, there's no way to, to have unity with God until our sins are forgiven, until we're, we're made one in Jesus Christ with him. And so if you've never trusted Christ as Savior this evening, I want you to, to get that settled in your heart. But I imagine for the, the majority of folks that are here in a mission conference on a Thursday evening that you know the Lord. Let me ask you, when he started talking about thinking of others, and not ourselves. Perhaps the Spirit of God put his, his finger on something in your heart. Maybe there is something, an area of your life that has grown selfish. That is about safety and comfort instead of perhaps faith. Maybe you're here this evening and you don't have unity at home. There's no unity at home. Maybe there's no unity in the church. There's someone that you're, you're bitter at, someone that you're angry with. Maybe you have a right to be. Maybe they have wronged you. We're going to have the mind of Christ. It's going to be a mind of humility. Maybe you're here tonight and you're asking yourself, how am I showing love? How am I showing love? We may not have what Brother Luke described, a phone call in the middle of the night to take care of 16 people, but undoubtedly there are people that you meet that are hurting. We have an opportunity to show the compassion of Christ and to share the gospel with them. Do we turn ourselves away? Do we close our ears or do we hear it? This world is such a distracting place. If the Lord is speaking to you about something tonight, about realigning your heart with his heart. Would you say yes to him? Would you let go of those things that keep you away? Would you put Christ in his rightful place in your heart? In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. This altar is open as a place of prayer. Perhaps you need to come and bring something before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me to have unity. Help me to put my bitterness to death. That I might be filled with your love. Maybe... It's something about selfishness and selflessness. Maybe you know that somebody's hurting and, and up till now you've just tried to not get involved. But the Lord, the Lord is speaking to you. Is there a brother or sister in Christ that could use an encouraging word from you? Whatever it is, would you say yes to the Lord? Father in heaven, I thank you for our dear brother who brought us your word. I thank you for the truth of it. 
Thank you for the reminder. I pray that you'd help us to have the mind of Christ. Help us as we try and obey your word by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name.